So Zedekiah the king swore secretly to Jeremiah, saying, As the Lord lives, who made our very souls, I will not put you to death, nor will I give you into the hand of these men who seek your life. And then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel. Here it is. Here is the, the thing. If you surely surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, then your soul shall live. Notice the conditional statement. If... Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Today in our lesson, we learn that Judah's king, Zedekiah, was warned by God through the prophet Jeremiah that he should surrender to the king of Babylon to save his life and to save Jerusalem from destruction. However, Zedekiah didn't listen to this warning. It seems ironic that here, at the very spot where Israel first set foot on the promised land, the last of the divinic kings was captured and his monarchy shattered. Here, where Israel experienced her first victory as the walls of Jericho fell before unarmed men who trusted God, was the scene of her last defeat. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching already in progress. Going to read about what God showed him, and then we didn't. They didn't have Twitter, they didn't have iPhones. Hey, guess what? Ezekiel's acting up again. I mean, they had nothing like that. So Ezekiel twelve verse one it says, "Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, God speaking to Ezekiel, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house." which has eyes to see but does not see, and ears to hear but does not hear, for they are a rebellious house. Therefore, son of man, prepare your belongings for captivity, and go into captivity by day in their sight. So he's already in captivity, but he's showing the captives in Babylon what is going to happen yet to the remnant that are still back in Jerusalem. And so he says to him, You shall go to your place into captivity, to another place in their sight. It may be that they will consider, though they are a rebellious house, by day you shall bring out your belongings in their sight, as though going into captivity, and at evening you shall go in their sight, like those who go into captivity, Dig through the wall in their sight and carry your belongings out through it. In their sight, you shall bear them on your shoulder and carry them out at twilight. You shall cover your face so that you cannot see the ground, for I have made you a sign to the house of Israel. And so I did, Ezekiel said, as I was commanded. And I brought out my belongings by day as though going into captivity. And at evening, I dug through the wall with my hand. I brought them out at twilight, and I bore them on my shoulder in their sight. And in the morning the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, has not the house of Israel, the rebellious house, said to you, What are you doing? Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, This burden concerns the prince in Jerusalem. He's speaking about Zedekiah, Israel's or Judah's last king. 
This burden concerns the prince in Jerusalem and all the house of Israel who are among them. Say, I am assigned to you. As I have done, so shall it be done to them. They shall be carried away into captivity. And the prince who is among them shall bear his belongings on his shoulder at twilight and go out. And they shall dig through the wall to carry them out through it. He shall cover his face so that he cannot see the ground with his eyes. I will also spread my net over him, and he shall be caught in my snare. So here, think about this. God is giving to Ezekiel, moment by moment, what's going to come to pass. And he's writing it down. And then finally, when these captives, when they finally, in 586, when they finally go into Babylon, Ezekiel's going to write and show it to them and say, look what I wrote down a, a while ago. Did this happen? Yeah, God told me. He told me what was coming. He shall, uh, let me see. I will spread my net over him and he shall be caught in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon, to the land of Chaldeans. Yet he shall not see it, though he shall die there. Notice he's not going to see it. Why? Because at Riblah, before he would even be sent to Babylon, his sons would be killed in front of him and then his eyes would be poked out. He would not see Babylon, although he would go into prison and ultimately die there. And I will scatter to every wind all who are around him to help him and, and all his troops. And I will draw out the sword after them. And then they shall know that I am the Lord. I guess so. Then I will scatter them among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. But I will spare a few of their men from the sword and from famine and from pestilence. That they may declare all, they may declare all their abominations among the Gentiles wherever they go. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. And what an amazing thing. This is how I'm going to prove to you that I am who I say I am. I told you way in advance. I told you back in in Leviticus. We looked at that tonight. I told you back in Deuteronomy, way before we even came into the promised land. And now it's coming to pass. And by the way, I'm going to tell you what's going to come next. And I love that about God. And then he told them, but at the end, I'm going to draw you back into your land. What God is a God like this? Who is this God that does this? Is there, do you know of anyone who would be willing to do that, that can do that? We don't even have the understanding of, of what's going to happen tomorrow. We can't tell what's going to happen tomorrow. You think on September 10th, anybody knew that those two towers were going to go down and the Pentagon was going to be you know, wrecked and a, and a plane was going to uh, crash in the middle of the a field on Pennsylvania? You think anybody had that on their mind? Nobody knew. There were some rattlings about something going on, but nobody knew for sure. And yet God says, this is what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. What kind of God is this? Well, he's Jehovah. He's Jesus. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no fighting him. If you want to resist him, have at it, because you're going to lose. If you want to resist God, you are, it's a fool's errand. You will lose. If you're like me, I want to surrender quickly. When I feel any pain whatsoever, even if it's something I ate for dinner, I'm confessing things I hadn't even done yet. And I'm like, Lord, I confess, whatever it is, I had too many burgers, I know, Lord. I know that's gluttony and it's a sin, but would you help me? He's a good God. He's a good Lord. And you and I serve him. 
You and I know him, and guess what? He knows you, and his spirit indwells you. Isn't that wonderful, to know that his spirit indwells you? There is no greater feeling in the world. And yes, feeling. I don't like talking about feelings that much, but you know what? There is a feeling that you can have in your gut, in your heart, in your being, when you know the Spirit of God is residing on the throne of your heart, and you're willing to let Him. You're, not, you're no longer trying to fight Him. You're surrendering. Surrender! Surrender! And we're going to see that tonight. God is going to tell the Jews, surrender to Babylon. Don't resist them. In fact, God had warned Zedekiah personally earlier by the prophet Jeremiah, but Zedekiah would not listen. He wouldn't listen. In Jeremiah chapter 38, beginning in verse 14, let me just read this to you for the sake of time. It says that Zedekiah the king sent and had Jeremiah the prophet brought to him at the third entrance of the house of the Lord. And the king said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I want to ask you something. Hide nothing from me. And Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, If I declare it to you, you will surely put me to death. And if I give you advice, you will not listen to me, king. So Zedekiah the king swore secretly to Jeremiah, saying, As the Lord lives, who made our very souls, I will not put you to death, nor will I give you into the hand of these men who seek your life. And then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel. Here it is. Here is the... The thing, if you surely surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, then your soul shall live. Notice the conditional statement. If you surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, then your soul shall live. This city shall not be burned with fire, and you and your house shall live. But if you do not surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, then this city shall be given into the hand of the Chaldeans. They shall burn it with fire. You shall not escape from their hand. And Zedekiah the king said to Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Jews who have defected to the Chaldeans. Well, they were doing what God told them to do. We're going to see this in a few minutes, that God told them to surrender. Don't fight it. Judgment's coming. Give in. I'm taking you away from this land. I'm taking away your house, that you, you know, the temple that you put all your pride in. I'm taking it all away. You're going away into a, language, a land you don't know. Give up. Surrender, and you will live. But Jeremiah said, they shall not deliver you. Please obey the voice of the Lord, which I speak to you, Jeremiah said to him. So it shall be well with you and your soul shall live. But if you refuse to surrender, this is the word that the Lord has shown me. And, um, and, and I'll, just, I'll just leave it there. But the idea here is that God warned Zedekiah. He warned him in advance. God not only warned Zedekiah, but he also warned the nations all around Jerusalem and the inhabitants of Judah in Jerusalem. And he encouraged them to surrender to the Babylonians that they would live. In Jeremiah 27, it says this, In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord to me, Make yourselves bonds and yokes and put them on your neck and send them to the king of Edom, the king of Moab, the king of the Ammonites, the king of Tyre, and the king of Sidon by the hand of the messengers who came to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and command them to say to their masters, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Thus shall you say, Thus you shall say to your masters. And here it is. God says, 
Send, send these ambassadors back to all these countries and tell them this. I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are on the ground, by my great power and by my outstretched arm, and I have given it to whom it seemed proper to me. And now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. Can you believe that? God is saying, yes, this pagan, idolatrous king, this idol-worshiping king, I give it all to him. I'm giving it all to him. He's my servant. And the beasts of the field I have also given to him to serve. So all nations shall serve him and his son and his son's sons until the time of his land comes. And then many nations and great kings shall make him serve them. And then he goes on in verse 12 and he says, I also spoke to Zedekiah. King of Judah, according to all these words, saying, Bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him and his people and live. Why will you die? You and your people by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence, as the Lord has spoken against the nation that will not serve the king of Babylon. Therefore, don't listen to the words of the false prophets saying that that's not going to happen because it's going to happen. And then on top of that, for those who had already gone into captivity in Babylon, God told them. So think about this. He's telling Zedekiah to surrender, to give in. He's telling all the nations around Jerusalem and Israel, surrender to the king of Babylon. And now God is going to tell um, Jeremiah, send a note, send a letter to the captives in Babylon right now, Jeremiah. Send this letter to them. And he says, now these, and this is Jeremiah chapter 29. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive, to the priests, to the prophets, all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. And this happened after Jeconiah the king, uh, Jeconiah or Coniah or Jehoiachin. Those names are synonymous, by the way. And the letter was sent by the hand, and I, let me just get right to it, uh, right, right in verse, um, verse 4. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, here's a letter, the God of Israel, to all who are carried away captive. Notice what God says to them. Whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Here's his message. Build houses. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. What? You want me to pray for Babylon while I'm in Babylon? To pray for the peace of it? Yeah, that's what I want you to do. For in, for in its peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, don't let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you have caused to dream, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For, I, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are accomplished. Notice. After se- God tells them exactly how long it's going to be. After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place, meaning to Jerusalem. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. 
And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And that's something we need to do as Americans right now. We need to seek the Lord with all of our heart. Amen? Even though we are in America, I fear that we're already captive. Pray for this country. I will be found of you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to this place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. Is God going to do this? Yes, he does. He's going to do it. After 70 years are accomplished, Cyrus is going to come on the scene, and he's going to let the people go. Any of them that want to go, he'll even give them money to help them out to build their temple. And then Artaxerxes. They're going to help these pagan kings. Because you have said the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon, therefore thus says the Lord concerning the kings who sit on the throne of David, concerning all the people who dwell in this city, concerning your brethren who have not gone up with you into captivity, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will send on them the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and will make them like rotten figs that cannot be eaten, they are so bad. And I will pursue them with the sword, with the famine, with the pestilence. I will deliver them into trouble among all the nations, to be a curse, an astonishment, a hissing, and a reproach among all the nations where I have driven them. Isn't that exactly what has happened to the Jews? They've been dispersed from Israel, you know, from the moment they were, uh, you know, from the moment of 70 AD, they were dispersed throughout all of the world. And then in 1948, he began to bring them all back. They became a nation again. Unheard of. (laughs) May 14th, 1948, Israel becomes a nation after, you know, a couple thousand years. But see, God always punishes rebellion and disobedience. But he rewards. I'm sorry, he always punishes rebellion and disobedience, but he rewards obedience. And... Maybe you're going through a chastening, just like Israel had gone through a chastening. Maybe you're going through something right now that you don't like. God has put his finger on something in your life, and maybe he's exposed you for a little while, or maybe he's, he's done something to make you aware of it, and it's really crushing your heart, and he's really dealing with you. He's taking you to the mat with whatever it is. I want to encourage you to surrender. Surrender to what he's going to do. Don't fight him. Just like God told the Israelites, surrender and it will go well with you. When God is putting his finger on something in us, surrender quickly. Don't fight him about it. Don't argue with him. Oh, that's really not my problem, Lord. That's so-and-so's problem. That's not really me. Just surrender and do what he says. You will be the better for it. And you will get through that trial quicker than if you resist him and resist him. Have you gone through kindergarten twice? Most of you in the room haven't. But I have. Check this out. In kindergarten, I used to run out when the teacher turned her back. And I did it so, I was such a rotten little scoundrel that they finally had to hold me back another year. And I had to go through it again because I wasn't mature enough for kindergarten. It's okay to laugh. I'm laughing at myself. But surrender. Surrender, surrender, surrender. We sing the song, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Are we really surrendering? 
Now, surrendering all is a big theological conundrum. But are you surrendering anything? Are you surrendering? God wants you to surrender. And don't, don't fear the chastening of the Lord. As he chased Israel, he's going to chasten us at times too. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Have you not forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? And here he's quoting from the Old Testament, the author of Hebrews. He says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, listen to this, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives, because he loves you. If your parents didn't love you, they'd say, hey, have fun out in 490 in the middle of rush hour. Here's your big wheel and here's a lollipop. Go out and have fun. See you at dinner time. Well, your kid's not coming home that night. Why? Because you're sane and you love, and therefore you say you cannot go out in the 490 traffic at 5 p.m. God loves you too, and he knows what we need. If you endure chastening, and chastening always has with it this idea of of instruction. See, the devil wants to just destroy you. He just wants to pummel you. He wants to destroy you. But God says, no, I don't want to destroy you. I want to get the point across. And only enough pressure to where you yell, uncle. And when you do, I will restore you. That is what chastening is. It's instruction to repentance, to wholeness to godliness. That's what we need. That's what I need. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are literally bastards. You are illegitimate and are not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who have corrected us. Anybody can say amen to that? Yes, I had a mother who chased after me with a skinny belt, and I deserved every bit of it. We've had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Much we, must we not surrender to him? And he really is a good, good father. My mother, my father, they, they love them, but they're not perfect. God knows just the right amount of pressure Do you know that? He knows just what it takes to get you to give. And why? It's because he loves you. He doesn't want to destroy you. It was his heart for Israel and Judah this whole time. I don't want to do these things to you, but I'm telling you in advance that when they happen, you're going to realize that I am God and there is no other. I'm going to tell you the end from the beginning. I'm going to tell you things before they occur. And when they do occur, your jaw is going to hit the ground and you're going to draw all kinds of flies and maybe even a few hummingbirds. <laughs> your mouth is going to be wide, so open, you know, open so wide. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he, God, for our profit, that we might be partakers of what? His holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, and this is true, I've known this in my own heart, and I own this scripture, and I know you do too. Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Did you hear that? It's because of that, it's training me, and it's a peaceable thing when I finally get it and I obey it. It's very peaceable.
That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.